and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. I'm diving straight in to yoga today. So in the second chapter of the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali outlines the means to liberation. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the kleshas, the five obstacles to liberation. And what that really is, is the goal of yoga. The whole goal of yoga, as we've talked about, is not a good but or an awesome Instagram following or honestly even calmness or an ability to sleep through the night or get through like one news cycle without throwing a chair through the window. Those happen to be benefits of yoga, but they're not the goal of yoga. The goal of yoga is liberation, liberation from this world, right? From all the trappings and the illusion of the current world that we all accept as normal, right? To unplug from the matrix and then unite with source. I happen to think we can use yoga as a tool for collective liberation. And once I figure that out, I'll write a book about it and you can say, you knew me when. In the second chapter of the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali outlines the means to liberation, which is to remove all five kleshas or obstacles. These obstacles are ignorance, ego, attachment, aversion, and clinging to life. I'll read this section, which I've read here before. The goal of yoga is not to obtain something that is lacking. It is the realization of an already present reality. Yoga practice removes the obstacles that obstruct the experience of samadhi or the state of complete absorption. We talked about ignorance in episode 41. Today, let's dive a bit into the ego, asmita. Another line from the Yoga Sutra, false identification is confusing the nature of the seer or the self with the nature of the instrument of perception. In other words, false identification happens when we mistake the mind, body, or senses for the true self. That's ego, that false identification. I am this meat body. I have blue eyes. I have a tan sweater, right? I am those things. That's false identification according to yoga philosophy. We all have ego, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's how we know I am me and you are you. It's our discerning mind, which we need to survive. I need to know that on some level, this plant is a plant, and it is bitter and astringent, and maybe it is a poison, right? I need to know that. I need to know that I am not the tiger, and that tiger, that thing that lives outside of me, might eat me and then I will be inside of it. This discerning, judging part of the brain helps us learn. You see someone in front of you step in a puddle and you judge them maybe for not paying attention, but then you don't step in the puddle. There's another way that ego shows up. And this is where the obstacle of asmita comes into play. By mistaking who we think we are, I think I am, not this plant, not the tiger, not the guy who stepped in the puddle, mistaking who we think we are with our true self. So again, in yoga philosophy, our true self, our real self at the core is not all these things. It's beyond ego. 
So our true self is connected to all those things, other people, plants, animals, the whole world and beyond. We are not who we think we are. When ego runs rampant or goes too far, it makes us think, I am a yoga teacher, a woman, a wife, a Democrat, a good person. These things are all external identifiers. I wear this sweater because I am a this kind of sweater wearing kind of person. And that's great because just like knowing you are not the tiger or the plant, knowing you are a wife or a Democrat or a sweater wearer is how you function in the world. You have a name for crying out loud without ego's ability to separate us from the other elements of the world and the other people, we couldn't function. But what yoga philosophy is saying is that's all well and good, but you are not those things because those things change. And what you is, is unchanging. When we were all 23, we could say, I am 23. And at 30, I am 30. I am 40, 60, 87, whatever it is. But you are not what 30 is. You are you. That just happens to be a temporary state that you are in, that you are identifying with. What happens when you are a wife, but then you get a divorce? Are you still you? Debatable, but really, sure, you are. You're just different right? It's life-changing, but it's not self-changing. Or if you have a job, but then you leave that job, are you still you? Yes. Regardless of how closely you identified with your work, you are still you at the core. You just have different work. Do you have a new name? Do you have a new face? Whatever the external changes are, you are still you, just, you know, different in different circumstances. What's at the core of you is unchangeable, but the external stuff changes all the freaking time. I know we talk about this a lot, but it's really important. You are not your labels and neither is anyone else. That is the mistake of ego. And this leads to all sorts of problems like political divisiveness, hate and war, an awkward dinner conversation, or worse, Facebook. The more you identify with the external stuff, the more the ego will suffer when those things change, which they will, because they do, because that's life. And this is why looking at old pictures is both awesome and horrifying. Who the heck did we think we were? All that eyeliner, my goodness. We age, relationships change, politics change, our awareness changes, the seasons change. Our true self does not change. That's the connection to source, to soul, to everything. That's the goal of yoga. And the removal of ego is how we get there. There's a really easy to get article. Uh, it's actually on Yoga Journal about this and it's called Mistaken Identity, written by a woman named Kate Holcomb. And I'm gonna put it in the show notes because it's written so clearly and I find it really refreshing to read and talk about yoga philosophy in plain English. And I think she does a great job of doing that. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. One way to check out when and where your ego is kind of running around is by looking at labels. But before we do that, I'm going to interrupt myself to say thank you to you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. If you're not already subscribed 
you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, all sorts of places. Please do rate the show on iTunes or wherever you can rate it. Yahoo, maybe. You can always find back episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r and on Instagram at yogafortherevolution where I have, as of late or on occasion, been showing off the new shirts. You can pick one up at yogafortherevolution.threadless.com. Thank you to those who have purchased. Every time I get a little notice, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to run into someone on the street who's wearing a Yoga for the Revolution shirt? If I did, it would make me so happy. But that's ego, not really your problem. Okay. This little exercise is inspired by one I read on a website called Yoga Hide, H-Y-D-E. So I'll link to that in the show notes too. So many notes. Labels are how we define things, how we judge them, how we separate one thing from another. Blue chair, red chair. Labels is how we can tell the difference between one thing or another. And we do it instinctively. We do it without thinking about it. It's habit and it's ego. Take a deep breath. This exercise will require your discerning brain and also a non-judgmental brain. And using both at once can take practice. Observe your judgments and then don't judge them. So what do I mean by that? So let's say you're running late for work and people are hanging out on the left side of the escalator in the subway station as you're trying to get out, right? Everyone Everyone knows this, right? If you, if you don't live in a city and you visit one, you must know this. On an escalator, you can walk or you can stand. Standing people stay to the right. Walking people go on the left. Everyone is happy. Except sometimes people stand on the left and it messes everything up. And usually these are tourists and they don't know. So it's not really their fault. Although, you know, a little self-awareness never hurt anyone. But let's say, go back to our scenario, you're running late for work and someone's blocking progress by standing in the walk lane. And let's say your first instinct is to think, idiot, come on, what's your problem? Go, let's pause. This is a moment of ego. This is the moment to recognize a judgment. Because what were you really saying when you say, ugh, idiot, is you're thinking you're smarter than this person. You're thinking where you have to go is more important, right? All of that stuff. And that happens not just on the escalator, but it happens when we read the news and see our favorite people on the TV. Anytime we judge anything, ego kicks in. It's making us different than that person or thing or situation. So now the trick of non-judgmental self-awareness is to go, oh, hey, I just judged those people. That's it. I said non-judgmental self-awareness really quickly. So just in case you've never heard me say it before, I'll say it again. Non-judgmental self-awareness. This is the seer and the seeing, right? So at the beginning, we talked about there being a seer and the senses. The senses, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, touch, deliver information to our brain. Our brain discerns it, judges it, labels it. Then there's a separate part. 
And that separate part is watching that whole process. And that's what we call the seer or the observer. So the trick of non-judgmental self-awareness is to flex the muscle of that seer, of that observer, to practice being able to separate yourself from what you observe. Separate the observer from the observed. So you see someone, you judge them, and then you can think, huh, judgment was there, right? I just judged those people. And that's it. It's not followed by also, I'm a jerk for judging those people. Just interesting, right? I'm observing that judgment happen. So now we'll do that exercise, that practice, that thing we do unconsciously all the time, we'll do it consciously. We'll practice with labels. What would be great for this is if you could jot it down. If you're on the go, you can use the notes app on your phone, or if you have paper in front of you, that's great. If not, you know, do it in your head. Take a deep breath. And then take a moment consciously to label yourself. You don't have to think too hard about it. Just think, you know, who am I? I'm a person. I am a woman. I live in this place. I do this stuff. I am this kind of person. I believe these kinds of things. Just jot it down or make a mental note. Label yourself who you are in terms of labels. Then take a moment to take in the world around you and judge away. Label everything. You got people in your in your sight, judge them. The state of your house, judge it. Something's clean or not clean or small or big or loud or annoying or fantastic or perfect or just right. Judge it all. Write down all of those labels. I'll wait here. Take your time. Okay, I have to start talking because silence doesn't make for good radio, but you get the idea. Now take a deep breath and take a look at your list. And if it's a mental list, review mentally. Don't forget to breathe, please. So here's the trick. Just notice all of these judgments. Try for a moment not to judge all the judgments. Just notice them. Sometimes the next thing that happens in the brain is to look at the list and go, oh my God, I'm so judgmental. What's wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. So note that. Just take another deep breath. You don't have to layer another layer of judgment on top of your judgment of the judgments. Just let it go. Pause. And check out all the space these judgments take up. Just observe them without judgment. Just notice how much space it is. Don't judge how much space it is. And we do this so we can practice seeing two parts of ourself, at least here. There's the part that judges and the part that observes the judgment. The ego does the judging and the observer, this is the true self the part of you that is doing the observing. That is the unchanging part. Asmita, ego running berserker, is when we think the judgments 
the labels, the external stuff is who we are instead of the still quiet place inside at your core that is unchanging. That is the true self. And the better we get at recognizing the true self, the less abysmal change can feel. Because sometimes change is rough, even when it's good change. And it makes sense to observe it and to have emotions and ride that wave. But we can get really attached to the way things are. We'll talk about attachment a little bit later, but when we identify with the external and then the external changes, it can spin us into identity crisis. And there's no real need for that if we recognize the true self amidst all of that is unchanging. So regardless of when things change, when we age, when jobs change or relationships change, We can have emotions about those things, but we don't need to identify with those things. We don't need to spin out into an identity crisis every time the external world changes because our true self is unchanging. This takes practice. Take note maybe of when you feel most at home and most yourself and see if you can remember to notice during those times if you're doing more judging or less, more labeling or less. Chances are when we feel our most comfortable, our most true to ourselves, we're not thinking at all. Maybe look for some of those moments this week or just notice when the ego runs wild. Try not to judge it when it does. It's all practice. So until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.